is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! Welcome back, everybody, to the most valuable sports podcast. I'm Brandon Ward, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Joseph Nagy. Joe, we have an absolute great episode on deck today. Dude, what do we have in store for everybody? It's probably going to be our favorite one. I'd say it's going to be our favorite one so far. Uh, We're going to have... A lot of good stuff to talk about, but not only that, Brandon, I feel like you should probably talk about, you should probably introduce Me? this one. Oh my gosh, we have an absolute special guest, Rob Bentley, the voice of the Bulldogs, will be joining us uh, to talk about his story, his role in Fair State Athletics, and just some hear some great stories from him, and that's somebody that... Uh, me and Joe look up to so much. We had Harrison Watt on last year, and it both of it our bosses be are coming on the show. Man, it's just wow. been a blessing to have them. So, looking forward to that. We'll get into the Fair State Sports Report, including some controversial stuff happening in soccer last week, uh, as well as volleyball, football, cross country, tennis, and golf, and more. And then we'll be back with some more fun topics in the second half of the show. But Joe, let's not waste any time, my friend. Let's swing it to the interview. <laughs> Now joining us in studio, the man, the myth, the legend is here, Rob Bentley, the voice of the Bulldogs. Rob, it's an honor. Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. So, Rob, first question for you. You've been here a long time. You've seen Ferris kind of evolve into a program where not a lot of success was on the athletic side to nowadays you are calling games like national championships, GLIAC championships, and all that. What's it been like to see just these programs and this university evolved in kind of your tenure here? You know, I think the growth has been incredible uh, for our athletic programs. Uh, when I came here, you know, we, we had some competitive teams, um, you know, certainly in the conference. But, you know, to see our teams, you know, go on and contend for conference championships and, and have success nationally has been, you know, awesome to be a part of that. Uh, you know, I think there's been great people, great coaches that have helped make that happen. And it obviously takes some, some great support from the university. Yeah, and uh, obviously coming to Ferris, uh, you started uh, studying at University of Nebraska Kearney where you grew up and uh, did a lot of success there. What was the experience like there and then making the transition and seeing a lot of differences here at uh, Ferris State? You know, I think Nebraska Kearney was a lot like Ferris State in that it really gave me an opportunity, uh, you know, to uh, uh, figure out what I wanted to do and, and gain some experience. You know, I did a lot of different things in uh, multimedia, journalism, communications. Um, but then I worked on the other side as a graduate assistant, uh, student assistant in men's basketball and, and saw the, you know, the athletic side of it as well. So I think it really, uh, you know, kind of showed me the way in terms of what I wanted to do. Uh, was out exploring, uh, you know, job opportunities, and and the one at Ferris kind of happened. Uh, didn't really know much about Ferris State, or or had never been to Michigan, and and came here. Uh, went to the interview, uh, got offered the job, and you know, I I came here. I wasn't sure how long I was going to stay, but you know, 23 years later, it's uh, you know, a great place to to be in a obviously a great community to live in. Yeah. Now in your 23rd year, what's it kind of like now with the cap being built? So many changes coming cosmetically to the Ferris athletic program. You know, what was that kind of like for your role in kind of getting that all orchestrated out? You know, it's been a lot of work and a lot of planning, but it's something I, I think is long overdue in terms of, you know, having facilities that our, our student athletes can take some pride in. Um, you know, the weight room has been, you know, an issue uh, for us for, for a long, long time. And, and to see it finally come to, you know, a, a completion here is uh, really exciting for athletics moving forward. Um, you know, I think uh, 
whatever we can do to help supplement those upgrades to our facilities is going to pay off. You know, certainly athletics uh, brings a lot of attention uh, to the university and, uh, you know, we, we need great facilities and, and great things to help attract, you know, future student athletes. Yeah, for sure. for sure. And obviously, everybody knows you and uh, Sandy as the voice of the Bulldogs for football, basketball, soccer. Uh, but you do a plethora of other things. Just talk about a lot of those things as far as uh, being the associate athletic director, doing administration stuff and including uh, social media, external operations and that sort of thing. Yeah, really, the broadcast side is obviously uh, my, my favorite part of my job, but it's something that, uh, you know, was kind of just thrown in there at, at, at the end at, at one stage. Um, you know, I love doing it, but I don't spend near enough time probably in preparation that, that I would like to, um, just because of those other things take so much time, um, you know, from writing releases to, uh, you know, helping uh, with ticket sales, marketing promotions, um, you know, you mentioned social media, video broadcasting, uh, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand with, uh, trying to promote our teams and our programs. And, you know, we've been one that's, uh, tried to be a leader and at the forefront of division two athletics doing a lot of those things. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of time, but you know, it's something that really, I think has, has helped us, um, you know, and helped our teams and programs as we've, you know, move forward and, and hopefully, uh, gain more championship type of success. And for broadcasting, you've had so many awesome calls. And, like, especially, you know, calling out the X-Men. You have Bernhardt last year, a lot of your The one in our intro tag. Exactly, exactly. Some iconic calls that you've had. What have been your favorite ones? Like, just those moments to be able to kind of experience that and be able to kind of be the avenue for just the viewer that's watching it or even listening on the radio. Like, what have been kind of your favorite moments to call? You know, I think uh, there's there's a few that obviously stick out. Um, Number one being, I I think, when our men's basketball team won the national championship. Uh, You know, it was an exciting game. Uh, You know, it was something that was... I had been in Division Two basketball for my time at Nebraska Kearney for, you know, twenty some years, and you ne- never thought I would, you know, be in that situation or have a chance to do that. So it was an exciting game that came down to the end on just a great week in Sioux Falls. So that was uh, probably the first one that sticks out. Obviously, winning the national championship in football last year, uh, you know, we came so close, had so many great teams in the last ten years, and to see those guys uh, finally do it, you know, was exciting as well. Um, and then the third one that kind of stands out to me is, you know, when uh, Coach Nice came in 2012, and we went to Lubber Stadium and beat Grand Valley. It was the first time Ferris State had beat Grand Valley 15 years, so uh, that was an exciting game that uh, kind of stands out as well. For sure. Yeah. Who's, who's like quarterback and stuff back then? Like who's playing that day? It was Jason Vanderlaan was actually the quarterback. He was a, a freshman for us and, you know, obviously had a outstanding career uh, here at Ferris State. But, you know, that was a team that uh, Coach Anise came in and, you know, kind of struggled early, but, you know, kind of got it together as the year went on and uh, just had a, a great game uh, down there against Grand Valley. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, everybody... Uh, obviously knowing a lot of those great calls, but uh, you've had a lot of great awards even outside of the broadcast booth with uh, all the honors that you've had, especially back uh, at Carney. According to your bio, you won a state championship for sports writing. Is that correct? I did. Uh, back back when I was in high school, actually, at uh, McCook High School in Nebraska. So uh, it was uh, great to win that award, obviously. Um uh, I really enjoyed uh, getting my start in high school journalism, working for the student paper, and that's kind of where uh, you know I got started, kind of in this field. Yeah, what does that uh, encompass? Like a, a state championship in sports writing? Like what exactly goes through that process? Is it like a nomination? Is it competition? Like how does that work? A little bit of both. We had to you know submit um, nominations uh, with with some of the articles we had done over the course of the year, and then they actually had you know kind of a state championship type of uh, you know situation where we went to went to Lincoln. We're on the University of Nebraska campus and uh, had to sit down. I, I remember sitting down and they gave us some materials and we had to 
put a story together, I think, you know, in a half hour or something like that. So wow. it was a- actual competition at the end of it too. That's, That's really, really cool. Yeah. I would never have thought that was a thing. That's super cool. So we've talked about the accolades. We've talked about the, the high points of the career. But as a broadcaster, everybody knows you have some of those games where it might be a little bit lackluster. You have some mistakes that at the time where, you know, you thought they were really detrimental. But now you can kind of look back and la- laugh about uh, what are some of those moments that you can kind of look back for? You know, I, I've got a couple um, that stand out. I, I think we played, I can't remember who we played. It might have been Finley here, uh, 2019. And I was sick that day and tried doing the game on the air. And I, I think I coughed the entire game. So it was one of those games where, uh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have been doing the broadcast. Um, you know, I'd lean over and, and kind of cough on the side and try to keep it quiet, but it wasn't very quiet. So that, so that was <laughs> one. the cough going on. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, another one, um, Sandy and I went to Marquette uh, to play Northern Michigan. I think uh, might have been 2012. And, you know, it was the last game of the year, and we had technical issues from the start of the broadcast. Uh, their Their phone lines weren't working. We were doing it on phone lines back then. Couldn't get on the internet, um, just all kinds of issues. And ended up doing part of the game, I think, on a cell phone. Uh, so, you know, it was a challenge just to try to get any of the, the game on the air that day. Man, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, not phone, good. phone lines. They were on? Phone lines. We, we were phone lines until four or five years ago, probably. Maybe five years ago. Wow, you know? yeah. Have you ever had uh, a game where uh, you've just been in a position where you're trying to make the game as as good as possible, but um, there's not been a, a, as great of a game because, like, I know for me, like my debut was um, actually this early this year. Um, Chip, Chip Hill's playing Gladwin. It was 62 to nothing. They were losing. I don't know how to really bring positive <laughs> yeah, you, to the what situation. Do you, what do you do in what moments do you say like that? In those barn burners like that. You know, we try to do everything we can to make it as positive as possible. Obviously, uh, you know, we went through 2009 uh, a one in ten football season, Ooh. and you know, we had a lot of games that were not close that year. And you know, it, it was tough. It was a challenge, but um, you know, we tried to remember the fact that we we just enjoy being in the broadcast booth and, and watching our, our teams play and. Um, you know, did as well as we possibly could. Uh, you know, a lot of those situations you have to try to, you know, add in feature type stuff, um, you know, information on the student athletes, stuff that kind of, you know, takes away from w- what you're seeing on the field during the yeah. game. What's, uh, what are the, especially with Sandy being in the booth with you, how long have you guys been together? We have, uh, we've been friends since I, I got here in uh, 2000. He was a reporter for the Pioneer. Uh, here in Big Rapids and then got a job at Ferris, you know, a few years later. And he started, uh, you know, coming on the broadcast uh, with Jason Dayday, who uh, was doing football at the time, uh, filled in a little bit. And then we had a three-man crew for, I think, a year or two uh, where all three of us were doing it. And then Jason kind of phased himself out with uh, some of his uh, other opportunities uh, here at Ferris State working in admissions. uh, was kind of tied up. And so Sandy and I started doing it, I think, in 2007, 2008. And pretty much done uh i think we've done all but one football game we missed uh the game 2000 and it would have been 18 when uh men's basketball went to duke we we went with the men's basketball team so that's the only game we missed uh, i think in that stretch what was uh what was that game like when basketball went to duke that was, that's one of those games where obviously it was exciting just to be there and be a part of that atmosphere but it's one of those games where the the scoreboard wasn't in our favor uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> we, we had to do things to make that entertaining but you know obviously it was just uh, exciting to be at Cameron Indoor Stadium calling a game and knowing that, you know, we were up above the floor, kind of in the same situation where you see uh, the ESPN announcers there yeah. when, when they broadcast a game. Yeah, what was that like, especially seeing, like, Zion and RJ and, like, all those basically 
incredible basketball players. Like, yeah, what was that like? It, it was incredible, and obviously, you know, that was one of their first games at Duke, and um, to see you know our guys play against those guys was uh, you know pretty exciting. Um, you know, we wish we would have had uh, some of those members of our national championship team because some of those guys had graduated, so we didn't have you know Zach Hankins or somebody to kind of play against those guys. Mm-hmm. But it, it was still uh, fun just to see our team, uh, you know, take the floor against them. Absolutely, yeah. Sports definitely brings its great moments, but uh, uh, really, with uh, the way that a lot of people go into sports, there's so many different avenues, and um, I mean, everybody's story is different. What would you recommend to a lot of uh, these people, maybe even listeners out there that? Uh, we're looking to go into sports, not sure exactly how to do that. You know, I think kind of like you guys have done, uh, try to get as much experience as you can, you know, explore what areas that you, you might be interested in. Um, you know, we're fortunate here at Ferris State, I think, where there's a lot of opportunities for students, um, you know, especially in the, the athletics uh, area or sports communication field that, you know, you, you just – uh, kind of put yourself out there and, and see what you can do, see what you enjoy doing, and, and try to get as much experience as you can while you're, while you're in college. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, especially seeing that, like, how would you ex- kind of explain, especially with, like, your journey and stuff like that, how, like, the evolving and, like, the changes of how, like, sports have kind of gone today, especially, like, broadcasting and, you know, writing and stuff like that. What would you kind of compare that, especially from how you're starting to kind of what you've heard from, you know, what how it is today trying to get into this field. You know, I think uh, from when I started, it's obviously changed a lot with the, you know, the advent of social media, video production. You know, we weren't doing any of that stuff. When I started at Ferris State, we were, uh, you know, calling the newspaper with the scores at the end of a game. We were faxing them box scores. So that stuff has kind of gone by the wayside. Um, you know, I think you've really became your your own media. Um, you're, not, you're not relying on the Detroit News or somebody to pick up, you know, the story on your team to be able to tell that story. Uh, you have ways in which to do that on your own. So I think that's been a positive change, um, just trying to uh, help, you know, promote your university and your student athletes. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, final question for you, Rob. We appreciate you being here. Um, we always ask our guests on the show, athletes, staff, or whatever, um, what's been your favorite thing about being here uh, at Ferris State and being a Bulldog? You know, I think the, the favorite thing for me is is the relationships that you build and, and the people that work here. You know, we have some great coaches that, you know, I'm friends with, you know, away from work, um, you know, some awesome student athletes that have been through here and, and you know, I've been fortunate to be around. So I think it's it's the people that uh, kind of make the place. And, you know, that's a, a big reason I think we've had a lot of success, you know, especially here as of late. Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate uh, you taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, uh, I, mean, I guess this weekend's not going to be as busy, seeing that a lot of the sports are going to be away. But we know you're a busy guy, especially uh, over there in the athletics complex. Hey, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, go Bulldogs. Once again, big thanks to Rob for coming on the show. He's a great inspiration for both me and Brandon with what we want to do for our careers and to also just take time out of his busy schedule. He does a lot of stuff around campus, so for him to be able to take time, uh, that means a lot to us. And it was a great interview as well. But let's kick it on to this uh, Fair State Sports Report. It's a big one, Brandon. We got a lot to cover. I think we should probably start with soccer. That was a pretty big game, pretty pretty controversial stuff happened. I mean, you were on the call. You probably had a little bit of something to say, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you would kind of talk about that, but if many people don't know, 0-0 draw against Grand Valley last Friday, right? Yes, but it should have been 1-0 Ferris. It should have been. been And uh, for those that aren't aware what I'm talking about, um, it was a a good game. It was physical. Uh, It was well played. Both teams had a lot of chances. And um, I believe it was about 10 minutes to go. 
uh, in the second half. There was a shot from just outside the 18 um, by Katie Nestico. Um, it hit the top, or excuse me, the bottom of the, the top crossbar, and it bounced straight down and with the backspin spun out back into the field of play. But with our camera crew that we had on the field, that I believe it was Chandler, the one that uh, had the camera, he had that shot filmed. And upon further review, you can see the ball landing inside the goal line before it bounces back out, which I believe according to NCAA soccer rules is indeed a goal. Goal. Count so, Unfortunate that it had to happen this way, but it was still a great we game. Have, we have picture evidence, man. Yeah, we do. And it, it sucks that you don't have inst- instant replay to, to change yeah, that. Don't got the VAR. Can't go a little, little like square movement that refs do. Yeah, we need the, we need the square, the hand finger Official motions. Review. Yeah, we're going to the booth, but uh, it was still a good game. Uh, I was on the pleasure of having uh, the call for that one while uh, Rob and Sandy went to uh, the football game in North Carolina, which we'll get to here in a minute. But, it, I mean, it was a good experience. Uh, not my best broadcast. I, I'll admit that. Uh, happens, vol- brother. Volleyball was way better. Uh, it's happens, hard, brother. You know, it's hard to fill in some Here's really some big shoes. Here's but the thing about uh, soccer. One, yeah, you got Rob and Sandy that you got to kind of take over for, which is not the, which is not an easy no, job. No, not at all. Especially seeing that, like, they have great chemistry and, and all that stuff. And Rob's been able to do soccer for so many years now. And for you to go into it, I mean, soccer especially, you get some, like, downtime. It's hard to fill in downtime for oh, soccer yeah. because at least, like, with basketball, it's always moving. Football, it's somewhat always moving, but you're just kind of describing what's going on. Vol- or Soccer is kind of more slow-paced and stuff, and there's not a whole lot of action that goes on. It can be easy once the action goes on, but then when you just kind of have, like, those filler space. That's the tough part. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up too bad, Brandon. Yeah. So you what, did a good job. What I learned about that experience was – with volleyball and now doing high school football, one of my strengths is storytelling. Finding these That's cool true. facts about the players, being able to bring those to light that pro- like other broadcasters might not find. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the actual game flow... I'm a little slower. Like that's where I need to improve the most is being able to adjust to a fast-paced game. Cause soccer, it's constantly moving. The ball does not stay with one player more than three, sometimes five seconds if you're lucky. And that's what really is the hardest thing is because by mm-hmm. the time it's kicked to a player, before you could read off the name and number, boom, it's it's yeah. moved to the it other side of the moving. field. And now you're like, oh, now they're running. Oh, street. Oh, now it's a through ball. Oh, cross in header. Oh. Uh, yeah, somebody had the ball. So, I don't know exactly who it was. So my bad. didn't realize who it was. <laughs> no, the yeah, ball. there was a couple moments where uh, they were moving so fast I couldn't keep up. But it was a great learning experience. I would really love redemption in soccer. Uh, volleyball went much better, which we'll get to here in just a minute Hey, you as well, probably but, will, man. There's going to yeah. be times where Harrison and Rob are going to be gone. Yeah, that is true. So it was fun. This game was great. I mean, you could look at the stat sheet and see how close it was. It was physical, 18 combined fouls. Uh, Grand Valley was a little scary in the first half for how many times they got corners. They had seven corners in a single half. Yeah, and, was, but our that defense, was a blast to put in a stat line. Yeah, you kept just having to press buttons, I'm sure, in there. Um, but he's the best statistician. Don't let anybody <laughs> tell you otherwise, Joe Nagy. Make me blush, brother. Oh, Jeez. my gracious. He's on top of it. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely a lot of opportunities. But our defense stood tall. That was probably one of the biggest things we got out of this game. Our defense stood tall, backs against the wall in the box, on a lot of those set pieces, did a great job there. Um, didn't get as many chances as we'd like, I'm sure. Uh, only 12 shots. So we did get better in the second half with nine uh, compared to three in the first half. But I, it was still a, a really good overall game. It really, really sucks, that the fact that that goal didn't count. But use it as motivation. Hey, We're I mean, going to go. Still- 
for, first to open up uh, Gleak play, you're taking on a reigning national champion. Yeah. And, and you go 0-0. Zero, zero. And you theoretically should have beat them. That's got to be confidence, right? Huge. And you not only confidence, but now you're like, oh, I can't wait till we go play them again at their mm-hmm. place because that's just going to be even more fuel to the fire. Pretty sick, not going to lie. So it's going to be fun. Uh, the second game on Sunday uh, against Davenport had the GLIAC Championship ring ceremony. Really cool. Being able to see a lot of former players come back and get their rings and uh, for all that they've done, had some jerseys dedicated. Really, really cool ceremony. Oh, um, so, but um, it was a banger, uh, you could say, Joe, as you hit the microphone. But yeah, it's okay. My bad. <laughs> no, you're good. I had an itch on my head. I wasn't paying attention to my hand. Yeah. yeah. The headsets do get itchy sometimes. It's just what it is. But yeah. uh, draw with Davenport, 1 1. Obviously, would love three points. Uh, we had we played a really solid game, in, in my mind, just watching that game in through. It, it was a, It was a good game. It just was really an unfortunate error from Daria, which, I mean, she was in perfect position on the goal um, where she tried, tried to punch it over the crossbar. Timing was a little bit late, and it just caught the top of the net in between the crossbar and the goal, and it just ended up going in. It was unfortunate, mm. uh, but we rebounded nicely, scored within the next three minutes later, which was really huge um, with Peyton Price getting in the net um, for the first time, and I think we... We're the aggressors in this game, I would say for sure. I mean, we almost doubled them uh, in overall shots and set pieces. Um, but we did. We were a little too physical at times, which we kind of... Davenport seems to be that team, what we've seen in recent memory, that becomes a physical game no matter what. Um, and especially with the condition, the conditions in the second half was... Oh, rainy. Oh, it was absolutely just a slosh pit there for a minute. Um, but it was definitely one of those physical games where... Uh, one error could cost the team a goal, and it just turns out that both teams committed an error, and mm-hmm. from there the game was just so slow and off that nobody else could find a way to punch it open. Yeah, true, and I think that's the one thing, especially looking so far with where the GLIAC is at with soccer, or for women's soccer, I think it's going to be a pretty even race throughout because you also have teams that are going to be coming in like uh, you know, Michigan Tech, Northern are going to be two pretty tough teams, obviously Grand Valley and Davenport. I think and Saginaw Valley too is gonna be able to come back and really do something well. And then, you know, Wisconsin Parkside might be a little bit down. They haven't really had as much success in the last couple of years, but you're gonna have four teams that are gonna be fighting for the top spot, probably become uh probably come, you know, middle of the middle of the season as well as that farther on. So I'm pretty excited to see what that goes on. But I mean we got Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech next or this weekend, so give me a good time. Yeah, it's gonna be fun going up to the UP, play a couple good teams. Um, and especially with uh, the way the GLIAC standings are coming out, like right now there's teams everywhere across the board. So still a lot of season left, and obviously we're not counting anybody out in this conference for sure as there's a lot of good teams. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be fun to see how uh, we adjust. Now going to be playing our first games really on the road in conference play this year going up into the UP. But, um, I mean, if we can keep ourselves in good positions defensively, mm-hmm. uh, which we have overall, I think we could say over Friday and Sunday's game. Um, and we're getting offensive opportunities for sure. I mean, Peyton ended up scoring that goal uh, on Sunday, which Ella Wolf got the assist from the defense. So that's really cool as well for her as a freshman. Um, but we're getting a lot of good chances. The fr- the final third, the attacking third. I know we talked with uh, Isabel Sable last week. You can check that out in the feed uh, if you haven't already. Um, that was the big focus going into those games was the attacking third, finish, finish, finish. And those are definitely the things that if they can find a way to convert on a lot of these opportunities, we're going to be in games where we're up 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 3-1 attention, or potentially, 
And from there, your game plan goes wide open. You have a lot of other things you can do um, as far as uh, game plan. And that's going to put you in the, in the driver's seat because it seems like we're really in the position where we are being the aggressors. We're having the possession. We're getting the opportunities. But the game just keeps at an even slate just because we haven't converted on a lot of those chances. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be a pretty interesting way that this season is going to play out as well as how we uh, deal with a lot of the chances that we're given. But I'm excited especially to see kind of how we develop uh, these coming weeks, especially seeing that we got a lot of tests. We got a good chance to really uh, develop pretty ho- pretty heavily, especially seeing what we've been able to do against two pretty good, two really good teams so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, so soccer will be up north um, this upcoming Friday and Sunday against Tech and Northern. You can follow along all the stats and more on the website, ferrisstatebulldogs.com. But over to the gridiron we go. Um, the fellas took a trip to Hickory, North Carolina um, to take on number 14th ranked Lenore Ryan. And really, I think just proved the whole world that this is, I would say, undoubtedly, the best Division II defense in football. Hands down. Yeah, that's true. This oh, I'd second that. They were lights out. My goodness. Caleb Murphy, dude, what was he on? Man. Holy. Uh, he was ready to play. Let me tell you what. This team defensively allowed 94 yards the entire game. Their, of total offense. Yes. 16 when, yards rushing. Yes. Lenore Ryan, in the span of a game, could not get from goal line to goal line. In how many drives? They had 12 punts. I think I texted. What I, else do you need to say? I tweeted, I tweeted out, near, like I think it was like 15 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Not 15 minutes, five minutes left in the oh, fourth quarter. Oh, I know quarter. what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I tweeted out, I said, just so you know, on 44 plays, uh, our defense has only allowed 66 plays of, or 66 yards of total offense. On 44 plays. On 44 plays. That's, That's insane. Yeah. After the whole thing it's was over, it was yards. like it was fifty play. It was like fifty some plays or fifty five for ninety four total yards. That's like less than point five. If you're taking an average, it's less than point five yards per play. It's insane. I will say this though, Lenore Ryan got to get a better broadcast. <laughs> they, dude, half the time oh, it was tough. Their video guy. Was oh like, my goodness! Yeah, wait, you watched it too, didn't you? Oh yeah, I know Their exactly what you're talking about. Was, okay, so toss back to the first touchdown we scored. Evan to Xavier Wade for that like 60 yard bomb. Yeah, beautiful play. Beautiful play. Wish I could have saw it. Yeah, that would have been sick. Yeah, they they were, they didn't even follow the ball. No, he, like Xavier caught the ball and then he, like he went 10 yards and then the guy caught up with him. I'm just like either you got 30 like a. 400 pound camera you got to move along that's why you're <laughs> dragging or you just bad at your job yeah it was it was brutal not gonna lie watching that and i really loved the fact that they didn't feel like broadcasters they felt like commentary people they just felt like fans it was just really funny to listen to that and yes i know exactly what you're talking about as far as the camera was you'd see a play come near this near the sideline they'd be like and a deep pass and then all of our buddies watching were like and we can't see it yeah. <laughs> because the camera's was, not there so the we don't know what's part, going on the funniest part is when carson went in like for seven plays in a row they kept calling him evan mm-hmm. they thought he was evan cummins i was just like it's not hard to see that there's a one in front of the two. It's not yeah. the same person. It, yeah, it's, they had a little bit of a rough time. But, uh, I mean, all the way around, I mean, we just made it a rough time for him. So, uh, really mm-hmm. dominating performance defensively. Offense still have some things. I mean, obviously. A couple of kinks to work out. Yeah, the first quarter having that, that, that dumb snap. It happens, but 
just can't let those things happen in big games, giving mm-hmm. a safety out right out of the gate. Uh, but we responded really nicely uh, later on. We found some click with Evan under the helm as Malik is uh, on on the bench currently right now with uh, with a, yeah with a ankle injury or foot injury. Um, so we hope he heals up soon, especially with this bye week. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys we can get healthy again. Uh, but Carson Golker played pretty solid, 18 carries, 81 yards, um, three touchdowns coming in as the backup quarterback. Uh, we saw Jesse play, which was really cool, uh, getting him some snaps as well. Uh, and, I mean, it was really just – it's a tough time for the receivers because sometimes we just got the run game going and we mm-hmm. just roll with it. So, But Xavier Wade, 75-yard TD. Um, Zamir Knighton had a couple – uh, a couple targets and a couple carries as well, seeing him get involved. Um, CJ, uh, Tyrese, and Marcus didn't get as much of the work as normal, uh, but definitely will go back depending on the game mm-hmm. plan because it was pretty obvious um, that Lenore Ryan wasn't allowing many big plays. They were just going to let us chunk out yards, um, which is why we didn't. We only ended up with 359. They just prevented the big play a lot of the time, yeah. and they had a couple chances for interceptions on um, on some passes, but, uh, I mean, they couldn't convert, and, I mean, especially with the misty rain uh, that they had that game time, mm-hmm. so... They just um, kind of toss a wrench into it. There, there was a lot of missed turnovers, as well as a lot of missed catches on our part. That kind of was a little bit tough because there was just a lot of. There could have been a lot of like fifteen, twenty yard plays mm-hmm. that got negated because they dropped the pass. But yeah, I mean it happens. One thing I'll say: offensive line looked a lot better. They did look better. Yeah, they, they did like look they better. Improved. I'm not sure where Lenore Ryan ranks with a defensive line or defensive like rankings or whatever, but. We looked like we were giving Evan and Carson a little bit more time, which mm-hmm. was good to see. We were yeah. opening up holes. We could rush a little bit more, which was good to see. But I think it's definitely going to be a test uh, probably when Finley and Saginaw Valley State, when we have to go play them, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, Saginaw looks really good right Saginaw now. Saginaw is crazy. Beating Bowie State is... If we want to go into the Gleak scores report, then oh, I can tell you all about yes, that one. Yes, before that, before that, Caleb Murphy deserves uh, Player of the Month Dude, already. Doesn't he, even matter. Don't, d- even, don't, even, don't even look at the next game. Homie got game. five sacks, eight tackles for loss. He was... He, his soul, him himself, was like... He got them 50 yards lost. 12 tackles, 5 sacks, 6 tackles for a loss and a forced fumble. Dude. One player. That's not even a whole guy. game. One that's a guy. player. That's a, that for that's one person. That's a guy on Grand Valley. That's his good like four-week span right there. Mm. Yeah, potentially, yeah. That, that's anybody in the GLIAC. Yeah. A, there's nobody that can play the defensive end position as well as Caleb Murphy can yeah. in the GLIAC. You know or even the country. I feel like he'll probably get the top one. You in the know country. how much noise he's getting right now is comparison to another GLIAC player that's now in the NFL? Matt Judon. Mm-hmm. He might be chasing after his mark. He might be trying to Matt one up Matt Judon. He's he played for the Patriots, dog. No, who does he who did he play for in the GLIAC? He played for G V. Really? Yeah, you don't remember that? Matt Judon? No. Oh man. You should you gotta look that up, but uh, he's he's definitely Dang, he's on no a roll right now. That's so crazy, man. I'm sure. I, I hate to say it, but I'm sure they're gonna have to find a way to try to double team him or something. But good but luck then, with that. But because like, here's the thing: you, if they double, if teams double team Caleb, what are they gonna do? Leave Jordan one on one. Leave Oladipo one on one. Oladipo one on one. Bad no choice shot. there. Leave this. Connor near one on like wide open. That's the thing is that's the beauty of Caleb of Caleb being so good is that when he does get double teamed, we got four guys we right there. Dogs that can, that can basically do the same amount of damage. Dudes. Dudes. We're just too good in defense. This defense is legit. Uh Vincent Cooley also had an interception. Shout out to him, as well as two pass breakups. Um, but yeah, this team looks elite Ridiculous. defensively. And we hope to see that uh after the bye, homecoming. Two weeks from now against Waldorf. Mm-hmm. Going to be a good one at Top Taggart Field. Everybody coming home. 
uh, to see what this team's really about. And then we'll play Finley, as Joe mentioned, and then we'll get into uh, a tough conference slate right out of the gate with the Cardinals and the Lakers back-to-back, mm-hmm. uh, which are two very good teams coming into this year. That's uh, true. So going to be a fun season for football. Can't wait to keep Sports on doing that. But, yes, Gleak Joe, scores. go ahead. Sorry, not scoreboard. Scoreboard. Obviously, went and did business down in North Carolina, 27-5. Fair State rolls Lenore Ryan easy money. First time that they haven't gotten a touchdown for the Lenore Ryan offense in a long time, uh, if you listen to the broadcast. Northern Michigan got the quick little win, 13-10, against Wisconsin Oshkosh, a defensive battle there. Saginaw Valley rolled number 9 Bowie State, 40-12 to in Saginaw. That's ridiculous. A Bowie State is argue like they are a really good offense, and for them to go in and only put up twelve, that says a lot about what Saginaw Valley is going to be able to do on both sides of the ball. Going to have to watch out for them in the Gleek. I think they could really make a lot of noise. St. Thomas uh, beat Michigan Tech thirty-two to six in St. Paul, so that's a tough look for the Huskies. Hate to see it. Wayne State beat Shaw. 30-22, to 22. good for them. Get a big win there. Was not really expecting that, to be honest. And then Grand Valley, when they went to Pueblo, Colorado, to play Colorado State Pueblo, 35-10 to 10 win. Uh, they've now jumped up to third in the rankings. So now we have three teams in the top 25 for D2 in Saginaw Valley State, Grand Valley, and us. Fair State is one, Grand Valley three, and Saginaw Valley is at 23. I think that's the first time they've been ranked in a few years, which yeah, is pretty cool to see. Yeah, that is. it's a monumental moment for them. And, uh, I mean, they were, they were a team we were looking at last year. They gave us fits here uh, mm-hmm. at Top Tagger when we played a pretty sloppy game. So, really looking forward to seeing um, us play them. And uh, also, not in the GLIAC, but I think definitely Ferris fans would want to hear this. Uh, rumor has it that the Blazers of Aldosa State lost this weekend. So, they're down to their first loss this season at 1-1. Uh-oh, and I'm sure yeah. everybody Virginia loves Union. to hear that. So, yeah. 45 to 40. Yeah, Virginia Union upsets the Blazers um, in that game. So, I'm sure we'd love to see that as Ferris fans because, of course, uh, who beat them really bad last year in the national championship game? Us. Of course. Uh, anyway, moving on over now, we will jump into volleyball. First conference bout of the season at home this year. First game in Wink Arena. Uh, went back. Went pretty solid. Uh, getting the win uh, against Parkside on Friday. Three-zip sweep. Um, really solid game. I was on the call for that one and really saw a lot of good things. We saw a lot of players get to get some get some minutes in, which was really, really important. Uh, I thought St. Fairfield played awesome. 14.5 points leader. Uh, Olivia Henneman delape Emma Bleacher, Claire Nowicki all had 10. Um, and, of course, uh, the back row played really well um, with Kaylee Matt at the setter position, uh, recording 36 assists as well. And uh, I believe, uh, yeah, Alina Anderson, the freshman, had three service aces, um, I believe only second to uh, Fairfield with four. So uh, I think offensively sure. we did really, really well, uh, especially hit percentage 281. Not our, not the biggest, but uh, overall throughout the game, it was definitely up and down. But when it was low, our defense started stepping up. So seeing kind of the both sides of the graph going back and forth as far as performance on both sides of the net, um, that's something that good teams do. So being able to see that, and especially that it rolled over um, into Sunday's game, or excuse me, uh, yesterday, yeah, Sunday's game uh, against Wayne State. Boy, what an absolute comeback. What a absolute great match. Huge. We are down two zip. Came back with a vengeance in the third set. 25-14. Uh, outlasted the Warriors on their favored side, 26-24, and then ended at 15-11 for a final of 3-1. And, I mean, especially in those 
those tight sets, being able to come back, 478 hit percentage in the third set, Holy down crap, two zip. Man. That's on a mission. And I think the biggest thing was looking, I mean, as far as the stats are concerned, um, as far as you just kind of look at it all together, um, when we had errors, we ha- we kind of struggled a little bit, but next set, next point, right back on track. Like, it's the mess, mistake, move on mentality, and that's something that Coach Tia's teams have had uh, a great job of doing in years past, um, and being able to play really well requires that against good teams like Wayne State, like Michigan Tech that we'll play later this year, like mm-hmm. Grand Valley. So um, those are, that's going to be well needed for this young team, being able to be resilient, be able to bounce back, and do it with both sides, offensively and defensively. And uh, Fairfield was great, 19.5 points leading the way. And Hanneman Delape with 17. Claire Nowicki with 15.5. And, um, and Ble- Emma Bleacher led with 17 digs. Uh, and Leah Bilot also had 17 digs and uh, 56 assists for Kaylee Matt. She's probably going to go up in that career mark record uh, into the top 10 leaderboard, I'm sure, very, very soon um, with the number she keeps putting up, especially being uh, only in her underclass years so far. So uh, super good to see all that success. And, I mean, 2-0 in the GLIAC, baby. What else do you want? You really can't ask for more than that. I don't think so, especially with a road win. Yeah, against a good team. Yeah. Shoot, man. Yeah. I think that's I think it's been like twice now that Wayne State would have been considered the favorite going into the game, uh, hypothetically, if you were if you were considering year. those. Yeah, exactly. Last year we were talking about it. Like this is the this is gonna be the most pivotal game in the GLAC schedule. And they went down to Detroit and beat them. Mm-hmm. Like handily. And then this one that was the, actually that game like kicked off that like seventeen game win streak, right? I wanna say something like that, but of course. No win oh, yeah. streaks for well, Tia, of yeah, course. Shout but, out Jamal. Yeah. Oh, Jamal. You Jamal. Le- I'm, we're Jamal sorry. Li- we, did, we set you up for failure. I'll live and learn on that on one. That one. Yeah, um, you just don't you just don't ask Coach T about the win streak. No. And and I and I respect that because I mean I mean, yeah, it makes it's just funny. Yeah. Just, we as media have, members love to blow that stuff watched, up. Just watch the post game interview with Coach Tia after the Wisconsin Parkside one. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He did, and I wish they would have kept that part in there, but they cut it out. But it's yeah. okay. But I respect Coach Tia for doing that because it's a one game, one day at a time mentality. Yeah, and especially last year, like when you have like a seventeen game win streak, that can be like the pressure of just like yeah, keeping it keep alive, it unnecessary. But when you don't really care, like yeah, you want to win, but like if that's not your main priority, it's just playing good every day, then. You know, that's kind of the difference between, you know, these good teams and these teams that go far is Mm -hmm. their mentality when they have uh, so much to lose, you know? Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those situations where the unadded pressure ending something is like the last thing you'd want to consider in that situation. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely going to be fun to see um, this. (laughs) It kind of sucks because I really am looking forward to watching them again, but they're going to be on the road for a while uh, they won't be back until um, September 30th and um, October 1st, in which I'll unfortunately be gone. But then we'll be back with the back half of the conference schedule um, with their with the home games starting in late October. And that'll those ones will be fun to call. Make sure to bring you all the action. So it's going to be fun. Um, you know, limit errors. That's really, I think, the big That's focus going it, really. in there because otherwise their resiliency, two dimensions, everybody's in and out mm-hmm. staying page filling in spots as we go really that's what you're looking for so uh really going to be fun uh to see this team keep succeeding and they're succeeding not succeeding succeeding uh and cooping up the conference standings that's gonna be pretty sick yeah gonna be fun uh anyway final sport really on deck 
Uh, cross country was oh, in action me, let this me weekend. Take, let me take this one from you, Brandon. Go ahead, Joe. Folks, guess who's sitting across from me right now? The winner, the champion of the Ray Helsing Bulldog Invitational Men's Division, Gliac Cross Country Runner of the Week, Brandon Worth, killed it last weekend. Thanks, killed Joe. Killed it. Thanks, Joe. Killed it. Was, it. It was a team effort for sure, and I'm I know this is probably the. The worst time you'd want uh, the humble me, but that's all you're gonna get. So I'm sorry, dude. You're um, insane. <laughs> it was a it was a great great you're race. So fast, great race overall. Um, everybody ran really well. Um, and I like we're so far ahead. We're so far ahead. We're so far ahead of what we were last year. We knew that after the time trial, this was only the confirmation. Uh, being able to rust really get the rust off of racing and doing it in a dominant fashion. We actually didn't know, fun fact, Dearborn, Rochester were coming to this meet until like Thursday. Um, and Coach kind of just dropped like, oh, yeah, you guys have some pretty solid competition. It's like, oh, okay, we're going okay, to we're gonna have to show up a little bit. Uh, and we, and I mean, I know the men's side dominated. Uh, and the women's side upsetting Northern Michigan, that's a huge, Hello. huge boost huge. for them uh, in conference rankings, taking down a team two spots ahead. And I mean, that's where both of our teams are at right now is we're getting slept on and we know it and we've put in the work. We've got a lot of young upstart talent with the veteran leadership that are putting the foot down uh, and making those moves. And really that this meet was just the first building block and it's going to be so fun. I mean, we're going to be at Spartan this weekend against a lot of good teams will be there, um, especially regional uh, and conference teams. So it's going to be really fun. I mean, just the fact that we got Five of our, our six, if um, we obviously with the circumstances uh, with Noah um, in finishing that race, we'd have six guys under 2720 or around or just under 2730, 2720. And that's what Donis ran last year to win. And Donis ran faster. And I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those guys didn't have their best race. I had one of the better races and that's why I won. But next week it's probably, it could be different. I could be fourth on the team. That's just how deep we are mm-hmm. and how fast we are uh, on the men's side and the women's side's the same way. So uh, it's definitely going to be fun to see both these teams keep succeeding um, with the young talent pushing us behind. And I mean, we're, we're putting ourselves in a really good spot right now and putting ourselves in a legitimate contender. For sure, man. And yeah. especially when we were talking about that earlier, it's like, with your with the team being with the teams being set up the way they are, with having such a close gap yeah. between the one and five, huge to be able to rely on you know your anchor who might even beat your two three four spot when you have that type of depth on a team compared to teams like Parkside and stuff who have a little bit more of a gap who have kind of more of a ladder a ladder to climb between you know five and four and one two and three there might be you know a a, a margin of fifteen twenty twenty places that they might be able to not really uh, recover there. But for you guys to be so close together, I think that's going to be a really big testament, especially seeing how that's going to go on later on in the season, Uh, especially how much you develop. That's going to be huge because to be able to have that depth this early and to be able to develop that, I think that's going to be a huge game changer when it comes on, especially the, the, the meets like the GLIAC championships and stuff like that, and especially with Spartan Invite. I'm excited to see what you guys do there because there's going to be a lot of D1 teams. It's going to be a good time, a lot of good competition. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, so that'll be on Friday morning if you're looking to drive down to Sparty at for, uh, Forest Acres West Golf Course. Uh, it's going to be really fun and just really looking forward to seeing uh, everybody get it back together. We've got one under our belt. I mean, the next one will be even more of a rust buster just because you know, there's going to be a lot more competition there. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different style of racing. But this week, got our legs underneath of us, got the, the, the tactics put into play, 
and now we're going to go out and execute. So yes, it's going to be super fun. But uh, finishing out the Fair State Sports Report, uh, golf and tennis finished up uh, their exhibitions this week. Uh, and I, I believe day two is going on for the women's right now. Um, they had day one action yesterday, finishing with a, a 627 score. Um, seeing a lot of good things from that team, uh, especially being a little younger. Um, but still having some of those veteran players like Elena Eldred. will be still our number one going into this year. Dana Stowski is back once again. Uh, but Lizzie Anderson had a really good uh, round. Abby Gravel also had a really good round. Um, so seeing a lot of great things from uh, the women's side as well. Uh, haven't heard too much on tennis as of yet, but I'm sure they'll be finishing up um, with those results here soon. So we'll be able to find out more um, about how they did. But they're still they're still in exhibition mode as well. Both of these teams are. Obviously, this is in their primetime competition season. That'll be safe for the spring. Um, but being able to get again good work right now, being able to see where they're at, make adjustments, is going to be absolutely huge going forward. For sure. I think that's about it. That really is. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with more here on the MBSP. The MBSP is proud to partner with the people of Eagle Village Incorporated. For 50 years of experience helping them changing the lives of youth, there are opportunities for you to be the next to make a direct impact, including plenty of positions available, including summer staff, internships, and more. For more information, visit eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential source. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Brandon and I kind of want to do a little bit different of a segment for Tuesday, seeing that we don't really want to just go, you know, football on Thursdays and then football recap on Tuesdays and it just kind of be more of a NFL-centered episode after the sports report. So we're introducing something else, and it's worth kind of being a trial run for these next few episodes, but we want to cover some more undercovered sports, whether that be eSports, Major League Fishing, NASCAR, F1, have a situation or have a time where we can talk a little bit more about those in depth and kind of go over seasons, stuff like that. So today, Brandon, we're going to talk about disc golf? Disc golf, Disc yes. golf, baby. I love talking about this. And for the record, we're not getting rid of MLB and M- NBA. Those will definitely be back in the storylines. We'll obviously cover that. But these are just the fun segments that you just enjoy talking yeah, this about. Is just a fun little thing. These are cool, right? Who doesn't love to talk about uh, a lot of these obscure sports that you follow that everybody else doesn't? And then everything that you say is like, what? What is that guy talking about? But those out there, those disc golf fans, um, definitely saw the world championships and what happened. Paul McBeth winning his sixth world championship in dramatic fashion. Rumors has it he was injured after the second, first, second, third rounds. Uh, and still pulled it out. It was incredible on the putting green in the final round. And, I mean, shout out to a lot of those other younger players that really played well, like Aaron Gossage and Tristan Tanner, who are second and third. Uh, and those those guys were great. And they played some of their best golf all, all year. And they just, just came down to trying to beat who I think right now is in total control of becoming the greatest player uh, in disc golf history. Obviously, Ken Klima with the most world championships, but... Paul McBeth has really put this sport on another level. And just the fact now that I think there was a stat that I read uh, up to four years ago, there was like like over the past three to four years, the disc golf scene of how many registered players there are across the world uh, and how many like courses, everything has almost literally doubled in the last four years compared to the previous 40 when it was like actually introduced. That's bonkers. 
to think about. The sport is out there more than ever. I mean, Ferris State here, our teams are absolutely Dude, our legit. Teams are insane. National championship caliber yeah, teams. Banners and, are hanging. Yeah, banners hanging. In the banners back. are hanging. Should have had one last year if the PGGA actually did their job, but we won't mention that. You can find that no, out in another episode. It. Mention it. Oh yeah, we got screwed, but because of a registration error. Boo. From last year. Stupid. Which is, which is why we ended up not winning the national championship. But that was an unfortunate situation. They got screwed. But they'll be back at it next year. You can call it right here. But, uh, I mean, it was great to see um, at Emporia, really, the place where disc golf was born. And uh, really the is. The birthplace. Yeah, the place that everybody knows um, related to disc golf. It's the it's the place to go. Uh, it's on the dream bucket list. It's like on the vacation. Oh yeah, it's great. It's on a it's on a golf course. A lot of a lot of really cool holes. Sixteen. There's a huge island green oh, um, with a whole like uh, bridge across. Super super cool. That's cool. Um, so it's a really really neat uh, course overall, and it's fitting. It's got to be the World Championships at some point. And uh, did you hear what the total purse was for this, Joe? A million. This dollars. might this might make you want to play disc golf. Okay, maybe not a million dollars. How much is it? Two hundred k. Dang, really? Yeah, for, for disc golf. Yeah, if you finish, I, that's surprising. If I you think finish it's be that much money. in the top eighty-five out of, I believe there was two hundred and eleven um, men's players, you got cash Dang. of at least four hundred dollars. And I think it was the top. Uh, I did the math just a minute ago. Top thirty-three got what's at least the, uh, a K. What's the average purse? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I think. Well, let me do the math here. Take uh, like two or two hundred thousand divided by eighty-five. Two hundred thousand, whatever that is. Well, then, or uh, no, add thirty. Be with the uh, the women's side as well. Like the winners, the winners champ got eleven thousand. Kristen Tatar has played two hundred phenomenal. Eighty thousand. That's a divided lot of math by, right there. Well, this good is, thing I have a computer. <laughs> divided by what? Eighty. Uh, doing total math, you would have eighty-five and then thirty. Exactly. Yeah. So plus thirty. Yeah. 150, wait, so did I just someone say 115, 105. 105. You, they, they make about, no, 115, it? I was right, never mind, 85 and 30, yeah, 85 and 30 is 115, no, that's 105, 105 minus 30 is 85, what, 105 minus 30 is 85? Oh, never mind. Sorry, my uh, bad. Okay. Oh, whoa, Joe. Okay. No, we hey, good. We good. I haven't had a math class in forever. Don't <laughs> Neither even. Neither have I. That one took me it's a minute. It's 2,434. That's the average? For to, what they make To for play winners? disc golf professionally? I might start to trying to play professional. <laughs> How many events do they have, though? A ton. Oh, like well from, then. Like from, fe- well, no, this was just for the event. No, yeah. Like there, I would assume that. You said it's like what? You just said two thousand, two thousand four hundred thirty-four. Yeah. So in an average one, it's probably like just under a K, maybe a K for an for average tournament. Yeah, for like the average person, like just in a full comparison. Which honestly, I feel like you'd make a lot. Like it sound it doesn't sound like a lot, but like almost every single disc golf course I've seen is free to mm-hmm. play. You just gotta buy discs, right? Which aren't great. I mean, I guess if you're gonna be a professional and best ever, then you probably want to have good discs. But like, mm-hmm. you still need like the crazy amount of stuff. Yeah. I don't understand how they can chuck those things like 400 feet. Oh yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. It, the it, torque that you get on that bad boy. Oh yeah, it's pretty much all form. And like, uh, one of my old teammates who's actually on the team right now. Shout out to Derek Franciosi if he's listening. Uh, I was really like playing a lot of rounds with him this summer, and I was just like. How did these guys just throw so far and so accurate? And it's like it's all form. 
it's just all strictly focused on uh, looking at um, just as far as torque with your hips, Shoot, uh, the X cross step with your feet, uh, and being able to keep your arms level. Those were some things that I worked on. And then, you know, over a couple of weeks, I got myself to 400, 425 feet. So Man, ain't bad, uh, with my best drives. So uh, those were in an open field. I feel those like I had more course, of a... But I feel like I'd do more forehand. of like a forehand guy. Forehands are fun. Like those are just like That's how I throw a normal frisbee. I can't do a I can't throw it very well. A backhand? A backhand. Yeah. So fun fact, I actually throw left-handed backhand, right-hand forehand. It's the same angle. So like ultimate I'm screwed. If I wanted to play professional ultimate, I'd have to look, like learn my right hand, which right. I can throw with my right hand. It's just not as accurate. I don't know why. That's another thing. Then I was born like that, but that's just the way it is. Frisbee. Yeah. Write it down. I would love ultimate frisbee, dude. Yeah. Write that down in the list of ultimate all of our frisbee. all of uh, the Remember sports it? we want to go over. But I had to play. I played that like welcome weekend. Oh, yeah. did you? That's pretty sick. Oh, I wanted to play that actually. Like freshman year. Yeah, I think we were. I think I was out of town. Uh, that week when they did that, but trouble with being an athlete. You yeah, know. trouble being an athlete, but no, ultimate frisbee's fun, and a lot of the people, um, like, um, for example, Brody Smith is probably one of the most popular, uh, disc golfers out right now, and he's not even the longest tenured. Like, he's one of the the newest to the game, but he was a professional ultimate player. He was a national champion in college at Florida. Uh, he's a content creator. He does golf. He does. Uh, he used to do. Uh, just strictly frisbee. He did frisbee trick shots with like Dude yeah. Perfect, well, legendary he, yeah, shots, and all he those went dudes. To, like golf. He went to like golf stuff, and then mm-hmm. you know, good, good, like, yes, good, good he golf. Played with good, they good. did with those guys, yep. and they came up with like some random group name, and yeah. they fell apart. And yeah, now good, good is like just actually. If you're a good, good watcher, just hit a million subscribers. So that's pretty sick. Yeah, that is cool for them. But like, yeah, them for a while. he's been involved with a lot of the. Uh, the different with uh, f- discs and frisbees and golf. He's been involved with a lot of that, and he has his own YouTube channel with over a million. Uh, I think he's got, like, I want to say over at least 2 million subscribers, if not, may- like, maybe a lot more, uh, but not like a McBeaster dude perfect level. Yeah, nothing but, crazy. Uh, but, like, he's been a big factor of the sport, like, just evolving it because, like, him being so new and everybody that knows Brody Smith is, He's a definite, confident, outs- I wouldn't call him fully outspoken. He's got 2.2 million. 2.2, that sounds about right. Um, but he's not afraid to say, like, wait, why do we do it like this? Why don't we, like, why is it done this way? Can it be done a better way? Which I think when and it comes to him especially, like, he is the guy that wants to have the full encompassed part of the sport together uh, because he's a competitor, right? Like, what are you going to do to make this the best sport possible uh, and get everybody that is playing the best opportunity to have uh, to get wins, to be able to play better, um, and make it so that it's not too easy, not too hard, and all those sort of things. And I think that's where, like, a lot of um, a lot of players are kind of like, and fans especially, that are like, uh, like, what is this guy coming in here and changing things and doing all this? Like, because he has a lot of influence uh, in in just like uh, media altogether from uh, from the history that he's had, and it's definitely like interesting because you get both sides. Like, there's a lot of people that don't like Brody because he's changing the sport. There's a lot of people that like Brody because he's changing the sport. Like, it just goes with that division line, and then he's got like a lot of these other players that. Um, like he does content with like that play, like Ezra Aderhold. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. He used to do a lot of stuff with Paul McBeth. They have beef right now, so they're not doing anything together uh, at the moment. But and uh, you Wait, got spill the beef real quick. What's going uh-huh. on? I don't actually know what the full part of this the the beef is. It all go, went around with uh, the Foundation Disc Golf um, uh. Uh, when they created that, which was created by Paul McBeth. Um, Paul originally brought in Brody um, as his new kind of sidekick. 
Um, and then they brought in two other guys, um, Hunter Thomas and uh, Trevor Stop with them. Mm. And they kind of made that whole four uh, all working together. And then uh, it just kind of started changing. And I think Paul didn't, wait, didn't like the way it was changing and that Brody had a lot of influence. So he left. Um, and Brody's still with them, and that kind of sort of thing. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just control Sounds stuff like there. Paul is a little bit of a, a what? Wait, what side are you on? Are you on Paul or Brody's side? I don't know, cause like I'm I'm kind of like I understand where both of them are coming from, and the problem is they're just diff little bit different personalities, but they're both so competitive. Sounds like that Paul's a little it bit. It creates of a, a little bit of a problem. A little bit of a bum, if you ask me. Oh, so I you're on Brody's, Brody's side. side. You're on Brody's Let the change side. happen. Yeah, I th I don't I don't know because I really like Paul because I think what he why does would, for the sport is great. Yeah, um, why would you not want a guy who's got 2.2 million subscribers grow the game for it? Like, like is that yeah, what the deal which, is right now? Yeah, which what I think what it really comes down to is all of these top tier players aren't the guys doing it. That's what the problem is. Like you have That sucks deal with it. Like Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth, Eagle McMahon, all these top tier world champion players and Nathan Nate Sexton, Jeremy Colling, Paul Yulbari, who are the the big media figures um that are also champions. They like the fact that it's like it's not them, it's Brody. I what, think people have a don't problem have a big with big of a reach. Right. I think that's Do I think we get some doing. reach then. I, 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 that's annoying. That's annoying to me. Like, yeah. Why would you be mad at the guy for, I don't know, because you don't, it's not you who is like growing the game. Right. It It's, it kind of, if I were to think of a situation like right off the fly, it would be like a situation of you, you have this well-established, uh, like you like say that you have the, the, the sounders, for example, like Really, when you like this is the this is just completely off the top of my head. Imagine yeah, like you're playing in 2000 um, or whatever the years for the Sounders, and you guys got a really good thing going. You're starting to grow, um, being able to get in fans, get into the building, start to get success. And then there's this rich guy that wants in that knows a lot of people, like that has a huge amount of of worth, a lot of value, a That's lot of Brody. experience, like similar to what Brody is. And and then them saying like, well, if we want to make this the best franchise possible, we should take it to this level and move it to Oklahoma City, or do they make these changes to the uniforms or the arena? And now the players are like, hey, what the heck? Like, this is our team. This is what we built. Can can we have a, a sense of what this is? Like, that's not the perfect example, but that kind of like makes the Seattle it... Sounders like the soccer team, huh? Or the the Sonics. That's oh, what I should say. I thought you said the Sonics. I might have said that. the Super Sonics. Oh yeah, it's the it's the. Well, that it's kind of like thing. that. Like Brody wants to do like things that'll grow it a little bit. Yeah, they, which I mean, then the old heads, the guys who like kind of built it or whatever, yeah. they don't want to have that happen because they don't want to have their whole. I still think because here's the thing: if you got a guy like Brody Smith, I mean, he's got a big enough following and he's mm -hmm. got a big enough fan base that like, whatever he does, you at least got 2.2 million people who are down for it to happen, most likely. Yeah, and which I have a feeling they probably don't average 2.2 million viewers. Yeah, but at the same time, just because you have, like, not all 2.2 like Brody. Like, well, yeah, maybe but two, but there's at least probably a big portion that followed just to see what he's doing and why he do they don't like it. Because that's just the nature of well, some I of the people so, that yeah, are in the world. Hate watch so, a little bit, you know. Yeah, just hate watch. Like that's an that's a legit thing on YouTube, and they've done they've done studies about that. I hate watch a lot of things. But yeah, like like we yeah, everybody doesn't like everything that some people put on YouTube. That's fair. Like there's a lot of content creators that have these crazy ideas, and you're like, what? 
why why are they doing that? Why don't they just do like the uh like do something else? Like uh one one example, like when uh Dude Perfect did like those um they started doing like this one series. Overtime I remember series? Uh no, not the overtime series. That actually succeeded really well for them. Um just as a side note, like the they started doing like the watch party uh series for a little bit there like they were watching these videos it was like super close to ridiculousness and everybody oh. was like what are you doing like that's not what you're supposed to do yeah and then they kind of were like this should be a segment this shouldn't be a 15 minute video or a 10 minute video which i would agree with like the the way that they had that set up it was too close to a lot of things and they're trying to make it their own and in reality it just really wasn't gonna i it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna hit it was a, it was a miss and i'm sure that they'll probably talk about that later on or whatever just in the content creation mind but like that's a lot of the stuff with sports altogether is like you have a lot of these other smaller sports that are trying a lot of these things like uh being able to have these different style of tournaments like uh with like the the disc golf scene they had like these uh, a series of skins they do every year that goes like on CBS, if anybody's ever seen that, uh, where they've actually taken it on national television and done like these doubles matches for like uh, like thousands and thousands of dollars and they Shoot. can donate it to charity and sponsors and stuff. They should um, do a celebrity one. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's people. Yeah, I know that's a thing already. I'm sure a celebrity or two likes to disc golf. Yeah, like Ben Askren is one of the biggest ones. Who is a former fighter? Funky like, Ben Askren. Yeah, he's that, a disker. Yeah, he's a golfer. Yeah, they he's do. He's a frolfer. They do a skins match, celebrity skins match at Funky Farms. I'm pretty sure oh, every dang. year. Yeah, like a, a multi-round tournament thing. That's sick. Every year, like yeah, there's like people that does it, like Casey DeSmith, hockey guy. He was he's a big I'm proponent sure of that. If you do something like a match with, like. Uh, get like two like I mean I guess you're not gonna find a whole lot of like really good celebrity golfers but if you do that and get like two I mean just mediocre you can just know how to throw a frisbee and you'll be able to figure it out oh yeah I would recommend everybody out there to go go try disc golf and I mean at the worst case scenario you're getting some exercise in and you're going to yeah, walk in walk. these trails in the woods but uh, it's super fun like that's uh, one of the the, the cross country team uh, hobbies is we go out and play disc golf together. We just have a lot of guys that enjoy the sport and uh, every we like to hang out and uh, play together. So and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter ability level whether you're a a ranked a rated uh, professional competitive player or you're just a casual player. Like that's I think what the biggest thing what disc golf has grown with over the last four years is we everybody's done a great job of figuring out how to cater the world's best and the people just starting out buying their first discs. Like it started to mold together where. Everybody feels a part of that community, and, and that's something that, like, you can take it down to the local level. Like, shoot, Reed City just put one in at my hometown at Rambat Park. So, literally, like, I went and played there and met all these different people. I met a, I met a, a rep that designs uh, discraft courses all over the all over the country there. Like, yeah. there's just these people everywhere. Like, it's just a whole community thing, and that's just super cool. Uh, to see like those sports and like we'll talk about some of the other ones in later shows like the the ACL and they've done actually to mention the the celebrity the ACL's the got ACL's it down sick. with that super hole series that's super ACL cool is sick. Um, but then you got other like uh, uh poker and all those other ones too uh, that bring in celebrities for games and stuff so all these other smaller sports they're getting up and up on in the world and it's kind of cool to just to see all these different varieties of people um, now that have these says in a lot of these different uh, media markets and how the sports are changing and how they're comparing to all these major sports like the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB also. So 
it's really, really going to be fun to go into these more in depth. And I'm really glad we brought this series, Joe, because now it's I feel like pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to get it's a gonna, little, get a little in depth here. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. We can kind of spark some debates here. And yeah, there, debate. Do a little debate. bit of what's going on in the seat and like the sport as a whole, that type of stuff. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Make sure you subscribe if you like this, as well as more interviews and stuff coming. We got some good ones on deck. We already have two weeks scheduled in advance, guys, with some great guests. So you're going to want to make sure you do that. Follow us on social media so you can see all of Joe's banger graphics at Probably the MBSP, um, as well as get on our link tree. You can find out all the stuff there, including uh, me and Joe hop on another podcast starting what? up here. If you oh like fantasy gosh. sports, you're going to want to find that out. Ferris Fantasy Show. Uh, you can subscribe to that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. We'll give you all the fantasy uh, football, basketball, baseball, all of the weekly talk. So you can make sure that you win big Uh, and make sure you don't listen to my predictions uh, in future references because I always pick the teams that lose. Just wanted to let you know that up front now because uh, I'm actually really good at that. If you look back at last week, (laughs) Joe, you creamed me. We'll we'll talk about that on Thursday. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. So, but anyway, until next time. Take care, everybody.